Man, it is so, so good to have you guys back together, to be back in this room after a couple months off, and uh, hopefully you guys had a great summer. And man, as we, um, as we get started this year, I don't know that I've been more excited for an upcoming year than I am this year. And, um, and man, there's so much that I believe that God has in store this year. There's so many incredible things that I believe God is calling us to. And, um, and he's calling us out of being comfortable and all that kind of stuff into something significant. And so as we get started this year, as we get started tonight, um, what I want to do over the next few minutes is kind of set up and, and cast a little bit of vision for where I believe that God's calling us to as a ministry over the next year. So, and, and here's the cool thing is that this impacts all of us in the room. Whether you are a new freshman in the room and you were a little bit intimidated walking in and you had no idea where to sit and some, you know, mean senior looked down at you and told you to get out of his seat um, or whatever. Or if you've come in this room for the last couple years, this impacts all of us, students, adults, myself, everyone. I believe that God has something significant. And here's, as we start, I want to ask you, kind of toss out a couple questions to you. Have you ever been part of something in your life that felt unstoppable? And you don't have to answer, but just think, have you ever been a part of something that felt unstoppable? Have you ever experienced something so powerful, so incredible, that you knew that it was much bigger than just you? Have you ever been part of what we're calling a movement? Now, some of you guys are in the room like, all right, what does that mean? What does a movement look like? What are you talking about? So here's, here's the definition of a movement, all right? And then we're gonna unpack this a little bit. A movement is a series of actions or activities intended or tending toward a particular end, all right? A lot of big words, especially depending on what school you go to. A series of actions or activities intended or tending toward a particular end, all right, now let me give you some examples of what this might look like. Maybe when you think of movement, you think of, for example, traffic in Atlanta. All right, thank God that I don't have to sit in this every single day. I know some of the adults in the room have to, some of your parents, moms and dads uh, probably do. But on a particular day, there are a series of actions or steps that are taken, gets up, you know, whoever this is, adult, brushes their teeth, showers, all that kind of stuff, gets dressed into, you know, something nice, gets in their car, hops on the freeway, stop and go traffic, changing lanes. I mean, uh, just a complete nightmare for 30, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours in some cases. For the particular end of getting to their office, sitting down at the desk, and hopefully without their boss yelling at them or them not getting into a fender bender or whatever. All right, a series of actions, and the end goal is to get to work and to ultimately make money. All right, so maybe that's the movement you think of. Maybe it's a marathon. All right, this is a great picture of a movement. A bunch of people taking a lot of steps, a lot of action, training, drinking right, eating right, um, you know, making sure even on as they're running that they're, that they're staying hydrated, that they're calculating how much time do I have to, you know, be in under in X number of miles and, you know, just trying to keep track and keep pace of where they're, where they're trying to get to. 
for the particular end of putting a bumper sticker on their car and saying 29.2 or not dying, you know, at the end. Um, this, I, I could list, I could come up with a list of things that I would never want to do, and this would probably be at the top of them. Um, maybe some of you cross-country runners or whatever, you're ticked at me now. Um, how many of you guys would never in a million years run a marathon? All right. You're my people. So that's me, all right? But people do that. Crazy people do that. People that have a death wish, and they want to say that they're in better health, or they want to brag about how far they can run. So they do crap like this, all right? A series of actions, all these steps that they take towards a particular end. Um, I couldn't help but think of this, this um, word movement without thinking of this, and maybe this shows my immaturity, but maybe you think, like me, <laughs> of a bowel movement. <laughs> Some of the freshman guys in the room are like, man, I was thinking that too. Um, so a series of steps or actions taken towards, you get the picture. Um, and honestly, this is probably the, one of the tamest, you know, little poop emoticon that you guys use when you're texting back and forth to people. This is probably one of the tamest ones. I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage you to Google bowel movement without expecting some, um, some much more graphic pictures. So maybe you think of that, all right? Maybe you've got a much more wholesome mindset and you think, you know, you're very serious. And so when you think of a movement, you think of a group of people working towards ending a, a crisis, like ending world hunger, all right? A bunch of people taking steps, not you know, eating certain foods or saving money, giving to organizations, going on missions trips to help feed people that are in need for the purpose of the end result is to end world hunger. A movement. So something that is coming so fast and so powerful that it can't be contained. All right, and I'm not talking about bowel movement. I know some of you guys immediately go back to that. So get off the bowel movement for a second. When you think about a movement, here's what I believe about this year and us in this room, every single one of us. I believe that God wants to do something incredible and significant, something so powerful, something so incredible that we dare not take any credit for it. Something so significant that we couldn't explain it away and go, I was just emotional one night and so I made this decision. I probably didn't really mean it. Or, ah, they don't really un fully understand what they were getting themselves into. Or, man, that was just one of those things that, that happened, but it's not really, that wasn't really anything other than a bunch of people just getting carried away. But where the only explanation that we have for it is to say that God showed up. That God was here. That God was involved in what took place. See, what I love about this and what I love in particular about your age group is that God wants to use you and me to help bring that about in our community. And what's amazing about this, and particularly for this room of people, is that God wants to start it here. God wants to start it with you. If we're gonna see a movement in our church, if we're gonna see a movement in our community, quite honestly, I don't believe that it's gonna happen necessarily downstairs. I believe that in a lot of ways on a Sunday morning, what the adults, your moms and dads or other adults that come on Sunday morning, what they're waiting on is you guys. You guys are the ones that are on the front lines. 
You guys are the ones that when you believe in something, you say, I don't give a rip what anybody else says about me or whatever might happen. I'm committed 100% to this. And when you guys are on the front lines and you believe wholeheartedly in something and you're pushing toward a particular end, then I believe there are other people that are gonna jump on board with that. I believe that it starts here in this room with us. Now, what is the particular end that we're trying to accomplish? What is this, if we're gonna see a movement of God, what is the end result? What are we trying, what are we hoping for? What do we expect is gonna happen? The particular end is to be transformed ourselves and to see other people in our community transformed by the love and the grace and the power of Jesus. So when we say, what is this movement? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? What's the end result? It's life transformation. That's what we're expecting. That's what we're praying for. When we say a movement, that's what we're talking about. God showing up and you and me and other people around never being the same. We fall madly, passionately in love with Jesus. We come face to face with who he is and his purpose for us and the grace that he has and the power that he possesses. And we jump in, heart and soul, head, toes, everything. We jump in and say, God, I'm in. Now, I wanna give you guys a, a, a tagline or a, a phrase that this is gonna be something we're gonna talk about over the next couple weeks and honestly, not even just the next couple weeks. This is gonna be something that over the course of the year, we're gonna constantly come back to. All right, so I want you to write this down. I want you to store it away. I want this to be something even that you memorize, that you think about, that as throughout the year as we're talking about it, that you go, man, I know that. I know what you're talking about. Here's what I want you guys to walk out of the room tonight understanding. This is a movement with God at the center with God in the lead, with dependence on God, and with the results left up to God. All right, those four things. This is a movement with God at the center, with God in the lead, with dependence on God, and with the results left up to God. Now, what I wanna do over the next couple of minutes is just kinda break, break this down a little bit and talk about what I mean by those four things, all right? So, First of all, that first phrase, with God at the center. Here's what this means if God is at the center. This whole thing is about him and for him. God is the reason behind everything that we do. He's what we live for and he is the one that gets the glory in every part of our lives. Now here's, here's the thing, A lot, so many times we make our lives and, and other things we make at the center of our hearts and who we are. All right, there's a lot of other things. There, there is something at the center of who you are. It might be, maybe it's sports for you guys that, and, and ladies that play sports in the room. You know, maybe for you guys, football's just started, or, you know, for you ladies, you're into cheerleading, or some of you guys, you're into band, or you're into to whatever it is, and th this fall sport or this thing that you're into right now is consuming every part of who you are. All right, you know it, because you're sweating to death in the afternoons, you know, you're, you're sick and tired of, of running those plays and having those practices, but it consumes you. I mean, it's, it takes a part of your afternoon, it takes a part of, of your mindset, it takes a part of every single thing, it's a part of you. And you're focused in that direction. 
And maybe you want to be the best that you possibly can be, and that's a great thing. But it has in some ways potentially become the center of who you are. It's everything that you think about and everything that you want to be. Maybe for some of us in the room, it's, it's relationships. All right, it's that guy or that girl that we're hanging out with or that we're not hanging out with but we want to hang out with. Um, or maybe we've been dating for you know, three days and we're like, man, they're the best thing ever and we're going to get married one day. And, you know, he's my everything, and, you know, he gave me a lifesaver, and he loves me so much. Whatever. All right, maybe, maybe it is a relationship, all right? And I know I follow some of you guys on Twitter, try to, to keep up with, what, you know, what some of the stuff that you're going through and things that you're dealing with, and it is so much is about relationships, all right? And you don't have to apologize for that. It is what it is. You're in high school. That's what, one of the things that you want, and that's cool. But maybe it has gotten to the point that it is all you think about. You're completely consumed with that guy or that lady. It's everything that you are. It's become the center of your heart and your life. And there's other things. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your, a job that you're going to. Maybe it's your future and what you want to do one day and what college you want to get into. I mean, there's all of these things that we make at the center of our life. And those things aren't necessarily bad. But the problem is, is that we make them the center of our life. And they can never do what, what we want them to do. And at some point, when we make, ultimately what it's about, it's about people. It's either about us and what we want, or it's about another person. But with all of those other things, at the center of our life and our heart is a person. It's people. And what ends up happening is those things long term aren't sustaining. And they never fully satisfy us in the end. Here's a little bit of a difference of what I'm talking about. The difference between a movement with people at the center, with some of these other things that we make it about, versus the movement with God at the center. The movement with people at the center is temporary and ultimately meaningless. Now, let me give you an example of this. Um, how many of you guys watched the World Cup this, this summer? All right, a lot of us. Maybe you're hardcore soccer. That's all you think about and care about anyway. Maybe you're like me and you don't give a rip except in the World Cup and then it, it catches your attention and it's kind of a big deal, all right? But there was, listen, there was a country and, a, and quite honestly a world that was captivated by the World Cup, all right? And, and in a lot of ways, we aren't even as bad as some of these other countries that, you know, kill people if they lose and crap like that. I mean, but for us, when you think about the U.S. soccer team, all right, it captivated this country. It was on SportsCenter all the time. It was on CNN. It was, you know, when you pulled up the internet, when you went to school and you talked to your friends, even though you didn't because it was summer, when you're, at, when you're at the pool or whatever you were doing, this was a, a topic of conversation. Everybody was talking about it. So everybody, it's the center of, for a period of time, all that we think about. And yet, six years from now, or think even longer than that, 60 years, 600 years from now, how many people are going to say, hey, remember the 2014 World Cup? Man, remember when we lost to Germany or we lost to the Netherlands or remember when we didn't, you know, get as far as we needed to get to? 
how many people are really going to look back and go, man, that was, I remember where I was, and that's still, man, I've never been the same since then. I mean, the 2014 World Cup, it transformed my life. We look back, you know, some of us have even forgot. Like, I had to think this afternoon, who, who did we lose to? But there, there's a period of time where, man, it's, it's a big deal, but at some point, long term, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It's temporary, and ultimately, it's meaningless. It doesn't impact the span of eternity. It doesn't change who we are long term. It's something that we enjoy, and it's great, but it doesn't have any long-term impact. But if we're involved in a movement with God at the center, it's eternal and it's life-giving. It impacts us for eternity. It's not something that we go, hey, man, remember that movement that we were a part of and God was working and moving? Man, whatever happened to that? I don't, I don't even, I never really was impacted all that much. I mean, that was kind of cool, but I, don't, I forget a lot of the details that went on or what took place. No, wherever it is in the span of eternity, we're going to be looking back and go, man, I've never been the same since then. Like, I learned truths about who God was. God showed up in my life in such incredible ways that I will never forget that. And not only will I never forget it, but it's impacted me today where I am. See, if we're a part of a movement with God at the center, if we make everything about who he is and what he's called us to, then it is eternal and it gives life. It gives life to us and it gives life to the people that are around us, that are caught up in it. So that's God at the center. Here's the second thing. What do we mean by God in the lead? What it means to say that God is in the lead is that he determines our course. We're not the one that makes the decisions, he does. We're not the one that determines our steps, he does. So we're not the ones telling him where we should go or what we should do or what this should look like. We are keeping our eyes fixed on him because he is in the lead. He is the one that's setting the course. He's the one that's determining our steps and where we go and what we do. He is the one that leads us and we are required to walk in obedience to what he's called us to. It doesn't matter how scary it may be. It doesn't matter how fearful we may get. When he is in the lead, we say, God, I'm keeping my eyes fixed on you. God, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking my eyes off of, of you. God, I'm not looking around at me or at, at other people that are, are looking at me or other things that are going on. God, I am keeping my eyes solely fixed on you. God, I'm watching you, and wherever you go, I'm gonna go. And wherever you lead me, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow. God, you are the one that is leading me, and I'm just along for the ride. So God, you show me what to do. You show me where to go. You're in the lead. Often in, um, if, if you're involved in, in war or a battle, all right, the most important factor a lot of times is not how many soldiers you have or even how strong and powerful they are or what kind of weaponry they've got. I mean, all that stuff matters. But a lot of times the most important factor is how capable the leader is. In this case, the general. All right, if the, if the general in a war puts his troops 
in a bad spot or he miscalculates something or he takes a step and leads the troops somewhere where they, they probably shouldn't go or he gets backed into a corner, I mean, it has a dramatic negative impact on everybody. And so you can have a lot of capable, strong soldiers and yet the leader can completely screw it up because he put them in the wrong spot. So what's important in terms of a leader is you've got to have a capable leader, and those who are following the leader have to have confidence in who they're following. How many of you guys like history? (laughs) Awesome. Doesn't matter what subject I throw out, you hate it. It's cool. Um, All right, so I like history, all right? Judge me if you want. I don't really care. Here's the thing. A perfect illustration of how this works, all right? Take George Washington, all right? A lot of you people know who George Washington is, right? Not at me. Sort of was the first president, kind of a big deal. He's on some money. Um, so George Washington, all right? To give you a perfect illustration of how this plays out, here's a... Um, Here's a quote from the ushistory.org website, all right? I'm not gonna bore you, it's a short quote, but listen, this is very important. Here's what they say. It says, the soldiers felt perfect confidence in the wise leadership of General Washington and his splendid courage, his foresight, and his marvelous ability to endure won the final liberty of the long-suffering colonies. He held the army together and through the long struggle for liberty, America was free. And then listen to what it says. Listen to this. It says, without General Washington at its head, it could never have succeeded. His faith in the cause and his devotion to the ideals it embodied made him the symbol of America, the spirit of the revolution. So think about what that's saying. All right, America, as we know it, potentially may never have happened because of one man's leadership. The person that all those soldiers looked to, the person that, the people that, that uh, followed the commander in chief, the general, George Washington, they had confidence in who he was and where he was taking them. And because of his strong leadership, the country in a lot of ways is what it is today. So it matters who's in the lead. Now, quite honestly, man, it, it is, it's a scary thing when you think of doing something courageous for Jesus. I mean, so many times when, when we're called to step out, all right, like we were singing about, about you know, taking us out into the deep waters and, and living with, with courage and with bravery. I mean, it, there's so much of that that's fearful because it's what we don't know. It's not what we're comfortable with. And so often what we do is we look at all the things that will screw it up or ways that will screw it up. We look at our insecurities, we look at our doubts, we look at our fears, we look at all the, the reasons why we don't think we can accomplish whatever it is that God's calling us to. And what ends up happening is we fix our eyes on our doubts and our insecurities and our fears rather than the one who's in the lead. We make insignificant things significant. And we make what's significant, the one that is leading us, we make that insignificant. We focus on the wrong things, and we get caught up in all the reasons why we couldn't accomplish it. And God's going, look, I'm in the lead. 
you can trust me. You can have confidence in me. If I'm calling you to do something, if I'm calling you out to, to a particular direction, you can have confidence in what I'm calling you to. Here's the other thing I love about this. If God is ahead of us, then that means that God is with us. If God is in the lead, God is ahead of us, then God is with us. And if God is with us, then we can't fail. It doesn't matter how significant these things are that God has called you to or how much God wants to work in our life or through our life. If God is calling us to it and if God is with us, then we will accomplish the things that he's called us to. Now, nobody knew this better than Moses. All right, a lot of you guys grew up in church. Maybe you, you know the story of Moses. God uses Moses to lead the people out of, out of Egypt, right? Set my people free. They cross the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, in Exodus 33, Moses and the people are, have, have crossed the Red Sea, and now they're looking ahead to the promised land, and they're wanting to get to where God has called them to. But they keep screwing up, they keep making mistakes, they keep sinning, they keep turning their back on God, and finally God gets to the point where he gets fed up with them. And what he says to Moses is he says, there's the promised land over there, you guys go ahead. You guys go take the land that I've told you you're gonna take, you guys go ahead, there's where you need to go, so you guys go ahead and take it, but I'm not going with you. I'm gonna stay back over here because you're, you're driving me nuts, you won't listen to me, you're disobeying me, and so therefore, if you think that you know better, then you go ahead and you take that land. But I'm not going with you. And in verse 15, I mean, Moses understands the weight of what God's telling him, and listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For it's your presence among us that sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. You guys get what Moses is saying here? Moses understands, look God, if, if you're just pointing in the direction that we're gonna go but you're not going with us, Basically, we're screwed, all right? That's what he's saying, all right? To, to use a, a rougher term, all right? It's a different version. But that's, that's essentially what he's saying, all right? He's saying, look, God, don't, don't tell us to go there. We're not gonna go if you're not gonna go with us because it's the fact that you are with us, your presence is with us, is what makes all the difference. It's what separates us as a people from all of the other tribes, all the other countries, all the other people on the face of this planet. For you and me, it's not so much about God saying, hey, there's what I'm calling you to, now you go ahead. What God calls us to, he leads us into. And if he is among us, then he is with us. And we can have confidence that no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how scary that may, may seem, that we can step out in confidence knowing that God is with us and he's gonna help us. Third thing, dependence on God. Here's what this means. God didn't create us to have self-confidence. He created us to have God confidence. All right? Now, some of you guys, you know, maybe you look at your life and you go, hey, man, listen, I don't, I don't need anybody. 
and I'm, I'm pretty cool, I'm kind of a big deal on my school campus, or in my family, or on my street, or whatever, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the head honcho, um, or I've just got a lot of confidence in who I am, um, I've got great people skills, or man, I'm really gifted in this area, and, um, and so man, I, I don't really need anybody else. I mean, anything and everything that I'm going to accomplish is going to happen because I've accomplished it. And so I'm quite fine on my own. I'm quite fine doing this by myself. And we've got a lot of self-confidence or arrogance. And here's the danger of that mindset. If we think that way, particularly as it comes to being on a movement that God's calling us to, then we will fail to see God show up the way that we expect him to. As long as we sort of say, hey, God, get out of the way. I got this. I can do this on my own. Then God's going to take a step back, and he's going to watch us fall flat on our face. And then he's going to come into the picture, and he's going to say, hey, you can't do this by yourself. you got to depend on me. And however many times it takes us before some of us are hard-headed, and we finally learn the lesson. But when it comes to our daily walk with God, when it comes to being who God's called us to be, it can never happen because of self-confidence. The only way it will happen is if we have complete and total dependence on who God is. In other words, we, we look at our life and we say, basically, God, I will mess this up if it's just me. God, if this is up to me to reach my school campus, if this is up to me to reach my mom or my dad who's far from you, if it's up to me to change my own life, God, I'm in big trouble because I can't do any of it on my own. And we put our faith and our dependence and our trust in who God is and his power to accomplish what we could never accomplish on our own. John 15, four and five, here's what Jesus says. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. An unbelievable all or nothing statement that Jesus makes. Hey, if you don't depend on me, if you don't trust in me, you will accomplish nothing. You will completely fail. You will fail miserably. But if you depend on me, you will accomplish everything that I've called you to accomplish. But we've gotta be dependent on God. Here's the last thing. The results are left up to God. We understand at the end of the day that God's the one that transforms hearts and lives. God is the one that knows his plan. God's ways are higher than our ways. So we surrender to God and we say, hey God, man, I'd love to see that person get you know, put their faith and trust in Jesus. God, I'd love to see that individual um, experience life transformation. God, I'd love, and we sort of have this idea or this understanding of what we think it's gonna look like. And in some cases, that may be true. But what we've also gotta be willing to do is to say, God, I'm trusting that you are working, that you are moving, that I'm trusting in your ability, I'm trusting in your power. God, I'm trusting even in your timing to accomplish the things that I want you to accomplish. 
And so many of us, what we do is we get frustrated because we start out the gates and we're like, man, this is going to be an amazing year. Or God, you're going to use me to do so many incredible things. And we expect that within a week or a month that our school is going to be radically different and it's going to be completely flipped upside down. And then it doesn't happen and we're frustrated. Or maybe we, we, you know, we, we push hard for six months and, it, and we don't really see very much fruit. And so we're like, man, this is just a waste of my time. And we feel like God's not holding his, up his end of the bargain. And yet, at the end of the day, if God is in the lead, then we trust that wherever God is leading us and whatever the results are, that he's the one that knows best. And we surrender our plans ultimately for his plans. And we continue to be faithful and we love people radically and we serve people the way that God's called us to serve. And we never know if it's the first day that God, something you know, God shows up in that person's life and they're radically different or if it takes six months or six years. But we don't give up and we know that the results are left up to God, that God is the one that's stirring up this movement. God is the one that's doing something significant. He just allows us to be a part of it. All right, so you guys with me. All right, what are those four things? This is a movement with, say it together, come on. God at the center, with God in the lead, with dependence on God, and with the results left up to God. <laughs> Man, so passionate. All right, that's it. That's what I believe God's called us to, and that's what our focus has got to be. All right? As we close up, listen to this verse. Second Chronicles 16.9, listen to this says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Read that again. Listen, don't miss that. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the specific areas that we believe that this movement is going to take place in and how you can be a part of it and, and the areas that we need to focus in. But here's the thing. Before we get there, it starts with this question. Is your heart fully committed to him? Is your heart fully committed to him? There might be some of you guys that have walked in the room tonight and maybe for a period of years or months or whatever, you've kind of played the game. You know, you come in, you worship, and you, you know, you, you sort of love Jesus and, and this is kind of a cool deal and you're here every week and, and all that kind of stuff, but yet you've never really fully committed your heart to him. Man, you're hanging on to stuff. Man, I've got this relationship that I really enjoy. So God, I'm gonna hang on to this, or I've got these areas of my life, or depending on what places I go to, then I'm gonna kinda do my thing. But man, God, I'm still gonna show up at Reckless, or I'm still gonna do these certain things that you want me to do. And at the end of the day, it comes down to, is our heart fully committed to him? And maybe for you, if that's the case, this year needs to be the year that you 100% dive in head first, and you go, God, you are gonna be at the center. You're not just going to be a piece. You're not just going to be something that's kind of a big deal, depending on where I'm at. God, you're going to be everything that I'm about. 
God, you're going to be the center of who I am. You're going to dictate every decision that I make. God, you're going to be what I think about. You're going to be what I focus on. God, everything is going to be about you. Maybe there's some of you guys who, who walk in tonight and you're like, I have no idea what in the world you're talking about. I have no idea what these songs are about. I have no idea who Jesus is or what his love is like. And, and man, my, if, if that's you, my prayer is that starting tonight, that God would show up in your heart, that God would reveal his incredible love for you and his incredible purposes for your life. But before we start talking about what we're gonna do, we've gotta ask the simple question, God, is my heart fully committed to you? Is my heart fully committed to you? Because if we're gonna experience a movement of God this year, it's gonna take place because we have said, God, our hearts are fully committed to you. God, everything's about you. As I said at the beginning, I believe that it starts with us. I mean, we could look a year from now or a couple years from now and go, man, God stirred up a movement that our community is still not the same. Man, God's still doing incredible things on my school campus every single day or every single month that I can't even believe. And I go back to that time or that night at Reckless or whatever where I made sure that I committed my heart fully to him. That I drew a line in the sand and said, all right, God, I'm no longer gonna do what I wanna do. I'm no longer gonna pick sides. God, I'm gonna be all in, fully committed to what you're calling me to. And as this verse says, God is ready. He's ready for us. He's searching for us. The question is up to us. Are we fully committed? Are we ready to be a part of the movement that I believe God is calling us to and wants to stir up in us and through us? Are we ready? Let's pray. God, thank you for every student that is in the room tonight. God, I love the thought as we kick off this year. God, a packed house, people sitting on the floors. God, just an energy and excitement. God, is amazing. God, I believe that every single student is here for a specific reason. God, they don't just have to be on the outside looking in, not really feeling like they belong, like this is a, a place for them. God, that every single one of them in this room has a part to be, has a chance to be a part of something incredible. God, I thank you that this movement that you desire to do, that God, that you choose to use us who are broken, sinful people who aren't perfect, we fall short, we make mistakes, but God, you have redeemed us, you have set us free, you have shined your light in us so that we may go and do the same in the world. God, I pray that this would be a year where some of us in this room, we grow in our own faith like we never have before. God, I pray that you would show up in such a significant way in each and every one of us, every single week as we show up. God, every single day that we live, God, that you would show up in us and you would make us more like you. And God, I pray that you would allow us to be part of this movement, that we would commit our hearts fully to to you, and that we would determine in our mind that we're willing to risk it all for the sake of who you are and what you've called us to. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.